Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive & June. Olive & June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome to After Work Drinks, your weekly dose of news, pop culture and Pinot Noir, brought to you by magazine editors and best friends, Isabel Truman and Grace O'Neill. Hello. Hello <laughs> and welcome. You will have just heard our new, new theme song. Yes. Which we didn't address last week because we forgot. We forgot and also we were still figuring it out. So the kind of guitar riff that you <laughs> heard is now gone. I literally hated that so much and Grace couldn't even hear it. I was like... I was like, what do you mean? And you're like, I just hate the guitar. And yeah. Anyway. I was like, it sounds like we're in a fucking 60s. She was like, it sounds like ACDC. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. <laughs> so we cut that out and now we have a new theme song, which hopefully you guys like better than the last one. Um, and hopefully it still gets stuck in your head because that's know. the aim of the game. A few people were like, I miss the old daggy one. And I was like, oh. No, we just can't fucking win, can we? <laughs> I know. Anyway, we, are, as you can tell by the audio, are back in the ACAST studio and they have an amazing dog called Neville. The new After Work Drinks mascot. I took a few photos of him in the studio before, which is going live immediately. I'm literally in love with Neville. I think he's the first dog that's just immediately warm to me. Oh my God, yeah, you don't like dogs. I, I don't not like them, but I don't know what to do with them. Because I didn't grow up with animals, yeah. so I'm a bit like, oh, what does this dog want? I do think one day we need to get Coral on as a guest to discuss why you never yes. had animals, because it's quite worrying. It's Yeah, it's quite unusual. I had, I know we've talked about this. It's just because we moved house all the time. I know we've talked about this before, but I had, like... Because you had, like, Noah's Ark. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I would come home with, I would find... Stray cats and bring them home. It's so weird. If you were my child, I'd be fucking annoyed at you. I know. Mum was like, absolutely not. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Stray cats. They probably, you probably were stealing them from, like, neighbours. I know. <laughs> <laughs> they just take off their collars. Like, rip off the collar. You're like, it's a stray. 
<laughs> yeah, it's a um, it's like one of the Persians or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah, one of those like really nice ones. Yeah, I really want. I keep looking at Battersea Dogs Home because they have. It's like almost a Tinder profile. Like they have all of their dogs with like the name and a little bio about them. What is this? It's like a rehouse, like rehoming center for animals. It's called mm. Battersea Dogs Home, but they also have cats. But I always go on there because there's so many, and I'm like, I want this one. I really want a little whippet, like a greyhound. I love them. There's heaps favorite. of them in London. There's so many of them. Because do you is... mean the little, like the little ones, like Kylie Jenner has, or the big? Either. Oh, I love I the saw, little like, ones. I saw like a shaggy greyhound the other day it was crazy oh uh, yeah like a shaggy i don't rough like looking I, i've never seen anything like it i was a bit obsessed with it well as everyone knows i want a cavoodle <laughs> <laughs> which is so funny because no joke until probably two years ago i thought those were the shittest dogs Mm-hmm. And I was like, why would anyone want them? They're grandma dogs. It's what my grandma literally had, mm-hmm. Otis. And I used to be like, get, oh, get away from me. Name. And then um, one day I just woke up and it was like everything had changed right. in my brain. You and now I'm awake and we're like, yeah. I need a cavoodle. And now, <laughs> and now I see them <laughs> anywhere I go and I just lose my mind. Yeah. Um, and also they're wool, so they don't shed. Pretty good, which is quite an interesting tidbit. A little tidbit about cavoodles. Yeah, so I might get one of them, an emotional support dog, because <laughs> I was crying before the podcast started, but now we're perked back up. I know Izzy was like, "How do I not be crying right now?" And I was like, "I don't know." Where's Neville? We're literally in the ACAR studio and had to black out the room, and then Grace ran and got paper towels instead of tissues, so they probably think we're just like eating lunch in here. Yeah, I know. There's like a really cool button that you can press, and it makes the screen go like, I don't know fade yeah so that no one can see in because before the whole ACAST team could have just seen as you cry <laughs> yeah, but then I was like imagine if it blacks it for us so we don't get distracted it's like but, a two-way mirror but they can <laughs> still see, see in like a like, detective like the police <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like they're clearly talking about some serious topics yeah and then John our engineer will listen back and be like they're talking about dogs <laughs> one thing that doesn't suck is Timothy Chalamet yeah Okay. Um, and yesterday, I don't know how this happened, but I came across an article from, you know how sometimes stuff just pops up? This is from February this year. Nice <laughs> recent reference, everyone. <laughs> I know. He's like, this is actually from October 2015, but I think that you'll like it. <laughs> it's still relevant. Um, and a woman sat next to Timothy Chalamet on a flight and then she put up a Twitter thread about it. And it's just hilarious because she... Is just the perfect girl for this to happen to. You know how when sometimes people sit beside celebrities and you're like, God, that's such a waste of time. Mm-hmm. Like like an old dad will sit next to like Beyonce. Mm-hmm. Be like, I sat next to this lovely woman who said she sings a song. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's this 25-year-old like super fan and she said that he sat on a flight next to her in economy class and she sort of just froze because she was like, oh, my God, this guy looks exactly like him and then started WhatsApping all her friends because the flight had Wi-Fi and what's some all her friends being like, it looks like him, he's curly hair, I think it's him, oh my God. And then she just goes, excuse me, you look like Timothy Chalamet. And he goes, I get that a lot. And then she just like knew it was him, but then she just sat there for another like 30 minutes frozen. And then he, I think he started a conversation and was like, where are you going or something? And then she goes, I know you're Timothy. And he goes, hey, yes it is. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> And Why then, was he an economy? That's what she said. And he just said, how dare you in response. But I think it's because it would have just been like, oh, February this year. I mean, he wasn't super, super famous. Mm. I feel like 2019 has been his year. 
Yeah, it's true. Because Lady Bird came out last year. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, and then they talked the whole flight and she was just asking him all these different questions and like, who's the most famous person on your phone? And then they bonded over loving The Office and he offered to um, FaceTime Steve Carell and <gasps> they just had a great big chat and then they, she got a selfie and that's, that's that. That's so cute. I love that. But her Twitter thread's just funny because she was like, list of questions my actual dumb bitch mind asked him that <laughs> and that he answered super patiently. One, why are you sitting in economy class? He laughed and said, how dare you? Two, have you met Beyonce? He has not. Three, how is Steve Carell? He said he's amazing and offered to FaceTime him. List of words that escaped my mouth. I googled your height. Please <laughs> see my friend's Twitter DP. It's your face. I have stalked your wiki page. Are you going to the Oscars? Your introductory scene in Ladybird kills me, though you are a D-bag in it. <laughs> I was like... Love. I love this woman. We yeah. should get her on as a guest. I know. Um, yeah, and then he kept asking her questions about, um, like, yeah, she goes, he kept asking her questions about herself. And she goes, what shocks me the most is that this dude wanted to know about me. He asked me what I do, what project management is about, literally who cares, Timothy, <laughs> where I grew up, and he pronounced my name right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, what an angel. I know, it's so funny. Little Timothy. I watched... Marriage Story this week, mm. and I really liked it. I thought it was really good. Did you think it was as good as it was going to be? Yeah, I was pretty pleased with it. I like Noah Baumbach. I hope I'm saying his name right. I've seen mm. a few of his movies. He's pretty cool. Yeah, I um, liked it too. I just... you know he's married to Greta. Oh. Yeah. Greta Gerwig. Yeah. Hmm. He made Francis Ha. Oh. Which Greta's love. in. Love that movie. And Adam Driver is in. Yeah. Which I forgot that he was in until I was reading. I want to rewatch that. It's such a good movie for anyone who hasn't seen. It's so funny. It's very like our vibe not to jump on Greta and be like, she's Doesn't so she text Adam Driver and go like, hello, sailor or something? The funny bit is when he like, they go on a date and then he goes to like touch her and she goes, and like <laughs> oh jerks God. her shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. It's really good. It's in black and white, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's very the thing with like Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach is that they're very they have a very specific style that's obviously very informed by the people they hang out with. So mm. they're super like Sacramento and like Yeah. He was an artist on Broadway and like they have specific kind of artsy vibe, but I like it. But yeah, I Marriage Story was really cool. It was I feel like Adam Driver just acted everyone else under the table. A hundred percent. Like we know that he is a good actor, obviously, but he was really fantastic in this. He was so so good. The whole movie is really chill, and then there's one like really hectic scene, um, where they finally kind of really confront each other, and that was when Zach walked in when I was watching it, and he was just like, "I hope you fucking die" or something. And he was like, what are you <laughs> yeah. watching? And I was like, "I believe it or not, this was a very relaxed, light-hearted film up until one minute ago." Yeah, everyone knows my distaste for Scarlett Johansson, yeah, but then yeah. now she is obviously having a major moment because she's in. I want to see Jojo Rabbit really bad. Yeah, um, she's in a lot. I think she's really, really talented. I yeah. really, I really like Scarlett Johansson. Obviously, she's made some quite distasteful comments recently, but yeah, I don't like her because of that. Yeah, but I read uh, a great big profile on Adam Driver in the New Yorker after watching Marriage Story. He's such an interesting kind of it guy to have at the moment because he's very kind of alpha masculine. Like he's an ex marine. He has a thing that's called Arts for the Marines. He's very big and bulking. He's like super old-fashioned masculine. 
I feel. Whereas, like, the dominant thing at the moment is these kind of soft boy, Harry Styles, Timothy Chalamet, Donald Glover, high fashion, wear, like, a ruffled shirt with a pearl earring. Yeah, I think he's kind of, well, I think until you know more about him, that he was a Marine and all of that. When I look at him, I think he's kind of in, in the middle because of his shaggy hair. Yeah. And then... He's just so big. He is very big. <laughs> but and he, also because of him and girls. Yeah, that's true. He's really interesting in this profile because he's like a big star now. Like, he's like the lead in Star Wars. He's worked with every director under the sun. I feel like he's quite unassuming. Like, you forget he's as big a thing as he yeah. is. Um, but he talked... Uh, there was one bit which I don't know what to make of it. It was pretty interesting, but the journalist was talking to him about toxic masculinity, and he was like, "I don't know what that is." And what? Yeah, because he I think he was talking about all his old films that he loved growing up, and it was like all the classics like Fight Club and um, Midnight Cowboy and all the Scorsese movies. And he was like, "What do you think of Fight Club?" And the journalist was like, "I don't know how it sits now." in the current context. Um, And he's like, oh, why? And he's like, because I think it kind of, you know, if you looked at it through the toxic masculinity lens, I don't know if it would stand up. And he was like, what is that? And then he came back to it later in the interview and was like, am I part of the problem? Because I don't know what that is. Oh, I know. Kind of. Yeah. (laughs) I know. It's not even, like, wrong. I'm not like, oh, Adam Driver. It was just an interesting part of the interview but anyway it's a really good read he's a really interesting person his next film is a musical with Marion Cotillard hmm. and they're filming it in Brussels and he sings through the whole thing which I can't even imagine weird super weird so speaking of toxic masculinity <laughs> <laughs> yeah old mate Weinstein has been back in the news for all the wrong reasons yeah so firstly um he has the New York Times um, published a piece which revealed that he is about to reach a settlement, um, which is a $25 million deal with, I think, 30 of them. A few have walked away from the deal because they didn't want to take it. The deal means that Weinstein won't have to admit any wrongdoing. Um, this isn't the criminal case which he's up for alleged rape and sexual assault with three other women. Case. This is a, a different one. Right. So he still is could do jail time. Um, and he's yeah he still has to go through the court proceedings for that. But this is a different one with I think thirty different women who have accused him of harassment and maybe assault. Um, and this deal would mean that he wouldn't have to admit any wrongdoing, and also he wouldn't be paying it out of his own pocket. It would be coming out of the Weinstein Company. I don't know how the hell that works. Right. Um, but some of the women who have taken who are taking the plea deal is, is because they don't want to wreck it for the others who want to take it and then others are like mm. we just cannot see any way this is going to we're going to get anything better than this right. like they've been fighting for two years mm-hmm. but it still sucks because yeah because that the, she said had like a really critical view of these kind of settlements in terms of sexual assault cases because obviously it encourages cover-ups but I guess in this case you could say everyone knows about it at this point why shouldn't the woman be financially compensated yeah exactly um yeah the settlement would resolve lawsuits filed by dozens of women since 2017 and then old mate so when he was going into court because of this trial um he had a walking cane or whatever and then people were reporting on it being like does he even need the walking cane or is he using it 
um, for sympathy. Isn't it like a full Zimmer frame? Like it's like yeah, a, it's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it does look outrageous. It does look like he's trying to get a sympathy. Yeah. Vote, well, then that evening after that. court, um, he didn't have it. He was walking around without it. And then these reports, not like the eighty counts of sexual misconduct and assault that he's been accused of have really irked him and he decided to then invite the post to his hospital room to photograph him to prove that he needs his walking cane as if that's like the biggest issue on everyone's minds right now and then in that it's it's like it just shows how delusional some people are i was gonna say it sounds like he's gone absolutely fucking batshit well it's, it's like i mean to a different extent, but it's kind of like Prince Andrew inviting the BBC to the palace and being and being like, this will be fine. But the shamelessness of it is just crazy. It's like, and the number of people who would have made little snide comments like, does he really need the Zimmer frame or the walking cane or whatever is so minuscule in comparison to the amount of people who were like, you're a pig for sexually assaulting dozens of women. And but then, he still jumps on that. And then what he says in the interview with them and like the post are great in this. They're not pro Weinstein at all. They're just being like, is he serious in this whole interview? Um, but he says, I feel like a forgotten man who is, his name's probably been spoken more times in the past two years than in his entire life I was combined. Say, we wish we could um, and then says that he basically deserves a pat on the back when it comes to women <laughs> because he made movies directed by women and um, put women in his films. The serial sex predator and disgraced Hollywood producer whined to the post in an exclusive interview <laughs> that he should be remembered for doing more professionally for women than anyone in history. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hard to even respond to that. Like it's you I almost know. don't want to dignify it with like acknowledgement. It's just yeah. It's he's just looking quite haggard. Like he's he looks super haggard. Yeah, it's definitely taken a toll. But that's the thing, like, with that other settlement, that $25 million settlement, it's like, what would happen if this man didn't have any money? Mm. It's just, I feel like it's just the rich rich people just get off with everything. Mm. If he didn't have the money to pay these victims $25 million, what would happen? Would he, like, how would... Yeah, well, he's obviously got some sort of hotshot lawyer who's going to work his mm. ass off to get him out of jail. I will be extremely surprised if he serves any jail time, unfortunately. For the other, um, for the other ones. For the other ones, mm. yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, it is interesting, like, that whole concept of people trying to do these, like, face-saving interviews. I think, like, we were talking about it earlier, and it's a kind of sign of how back in the day you could kind of do a well-placed PR puff piece to get yourself out of trouble, and that now that shit just doesn't really fly anymore. People are so much more sort Because of, people don't just take, well, not as much as they used to it, people don't just read something and take it as a fact. Yeah, exactly. There's so a lot more being like, I about didn't the do news, it. which is bad in some ways, but in other ways it's good because, yeah. yeah. And then another person who did an interview um, linked to Weinstein is Lisa Bloom, who you might remember is the feminist lawyer who... Um, so Gloria Alred is the most high-profile feminist lawyer in history. She always represents victims. And then Lisa Bloom is her daughter, and she's the same. And so she represented women against both Bill Cosby and the Fox News host Bill O'Reilly and one. And um, so she, so the case is always massive, and she always gets the victims, like, heaps of compensation. And mm. she works for women's rights, blah, blah, blah. And then she 
was found to be working for Weinstein and at the time she lied about it and said that she well, that what she was advising him on how to properly deal with women going forward or something and then it came out that he was turning her book into a movie and so she was working with him um, and and she said and in Catch and Kill Ronan Farrow's book um, they have emails that have leaked where she alleged, allegedly says that she's like found all this dirt on Rose McGowan and knows how to Basically, her years spent working with women who are victims of sexual assault um, made her, like, the prime person for being able to turn the tables on them and make yeah, them seem, like... Yeah, she basically just came up with, like, a strategy to help Harvey Weinstein discredit all his victims. So she's been pretty, like, disgraced in the whole thing as well. Yeah. Um, so she has come out and done an interview with The Guardian, um, with Hadley Freeman, who has basically... So I think she was she was trying to talk about all of the work she's actually working with victims of Jeffrey Epstein's now. Mm. Um, and she was trying to talk about all of that and about Prince Andrew. Um, and then Hadley Freeman just like hit her with all of the hard questions about Harvey Weinstein. Um, and it's funny kind of the way I love how Hadley Freeman colours the interview with tidbits. Like when Lisa Bloom walked in, she was complimenting her and saying how young she looks for her age. Mm. And then Hadley Freeman's like, I'm 41. Like she's not, she's, not taking any of it, and then halfway through, as soon as she starts talking about Weinstein, like the the ear changes and mm. the way she speaks to her changes, and it's just like I feel like people are so used to journalists just wanting to be friends with the people they're interviewing and yeah, just totally. wanting to like keep everything happy and cheery and not ask the hard questions. It reminds me of when Hadley Freeman interviewed um, like Reese Witherspoon mm. and Jennifer Aniston and remember it got like really yeah uncomfortable by the end because they were she was trying to ask them they made a show about sexual harassment in the workplace and Reese Witherspoon had spoken out about it before. Mm. So she was like trying to converse with them about it and they were like, We're not talking about that, we're not going there and like they'd been so chatting and jovial and oh my god you look amazing and where's your skirt from and I love your jeans mm. and blah 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 um and she then it just completely like... twisted I think people I think it is a uh a, a kind of gross assumption that people in general make that women are not going to be as hard-hitting that they're more prone to flattery that they're not going to want to be inconvenient or unpolite or rude and that they're not going to push for the hard questions like people think they, they might have an easier go of it with a female journalist mm. well prince andrew with the bbc reporter yeah chatting away and trying to have like conversation about when you're next here we'll chat about blah blah she was like dude you're not gonna want me back here after this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one thing i discovered this week which is gonna send half the is women of very hot on the pulse of a new celebrity artist mm-hmm. Um, a musician, you guys might have heard of him, he's British. Um, he was formerly in the brand One Direction, <laughs> and his name is Harry Styles. <laughs> Holy moly, he is hot. Is he's gone down a Harry Styles wormhole? Wormhole? Black yeah. Hole? Yeah. And hot hole. Yeah, I'm like, I'm in for the ride, I'm into it. Yep, so I, I, let me explain myself, because a lot of people... <laughs> a, lo- <laughs> a lot of people went a bit nuts at me on social media, because... Like, obviously, I've seen his face before, and it's a good one. Mm-hmm. And I love the way he dresses. I've always thought that was great. I'm like, cool, Harry Styles, whatever. Never had listened to his music. Wasn't a One Direction fan, because I think I'm a little bit old. And yeah. then um, knew he was British, had never listened to him talk. Mm-hmm. And so all of these things combined where 
He was dating this hot model, Camille Rowe, which kind of put him on my radar because I followed her for ages. Um, and then when his new album was coming out and he had a song about her on it, I was like, oh, I want to listen to that. Different music to what I expected. thought it was pop. Um, and I can just imagine how many people are like grinding their teeth listening to this. <laughs> um, and then I listened to him in an interview and he's so charming. And yeah. his accent is brilliant and his tattoos are hot and his, his style is great. Yeah. I'm all for Harry. Yeah, Harry's great. I think that, like, not to over-intellectualise it, but I do feel like he represents this new kind of it boy or, like, hot guy. You know, like, I feel like you could go back and look at all of the, like, hot guys of the moment and see how they, like, reflect the culture that we're in. Mm. And I feel like talking about toxic masculinity, people like Harry Styles are, like, the antidote to toxic masculinity. Like, in a moment where everyone's just fed up with it and sick to death with it and rethinking everything to do with how masculinity looks and works. He's, like, fully embracing the opposite side of the spectrum and people are just loving it because it's amazing. Like, his album cover, what is he wearing? Like A pink shirt, pink yeah, silk like, shirt and high-waisted... And high-waisted... White like, pants. Yeah, that's cool. Like, yeah. I would wear that. And there's been so much now in this month, actually, in L and British Vogue, British L, British Vogue, they both have done this, like, comprehensive series of, like, couples who share each other's wardrobes. And it's, like, I remember... I think Man Repeller's done one, too. Yeah, it's really cool because it's not done in this awkward naff, like, on-the-nose way. It's, like, actual couples who, like, actually genuinely wear each other's stuff and it's, like, super cool. And I think that's such a, like, a movement in fashion and in just culture now. My ex-boyfriend used to wear my stuff, like, seven years ago. Really? Mm. Ahead of the curve. And I would be like, this makes me feel ill that you're my size, but whatever. <laughs> I know. My ex-boyfriend wears the same he, jeans He size, kept yeah. my, like, a, some pants I bought from ASOS. He fully what? kept them and would wear them all the time. <laughs> Do you remember Cheap Monday jeans when everyone wore those? Yes. Yeah, we both, we had, like, the same size of Cheap Monday jeans. Not quite the same, but I think that Harry Styles is, like, the perfect boy for 2020. I'd never listened to his music and I'd never heard him speak. So that's the difference for me. And he's so, like, the charm is what gets me. Very charming, yeah. Um, it was pretty, yeah, that, what's the thing? The, um, when he was playing that challenge with Kendall Jenner. I'll spill your guts. Yeah. And um, she asked which songs were about her. It's funny that they dated. He's dated everyone. Mm-hmm. I just have such a cynical approach to, like, pop stars and people dating like I always am like that's not real that's not real that's not real obviously some of it has to be remember real. when you thought Jordan Woods wasn't real I still think that wasn't real what it has yeah. been forever she hasn't come back yeah she would have been paid a fat NDA no just told to shut the fuck up a hundo no Grace. I don't believe any I believe like five percent of celebrity gossip if that yeah do you know what the other day <laughs> this is like the dumbest thing to ever come to a realization of but the other day I was like oh all of the stuff that we read that's like, I don't know, whatever it is, sources say, blah, blah, blah. It's obviously them saying it and they're releasing it as sources say when it's positive, when it, even when it's breakups and it's like, you know, like Miley Cyrus and Liam Hemsworth have split, but it's probably to do with his drinking. It's like Miley Cyrus's team of people yeah, putting out this. Yeah, I the time the celebrities don't know. They've just got a full-time PR team who are just churning things in the background for them. Like, the thing I always say is there is just a multitude. How many times have you seen a photo of Natalie Portman and her husband walking around? What? I don't know. None? Zero. But, but she's one of the biggest celebrities in the world. It's like every single person who is being photographed 
has organised for that to happen or is at the very least aware of it or has been tipped off? Like, yeah. I'm trying to think of, like, who are the biggest stars in the world? Like, Brad Pitt, you don't see him just walking down the street being papped mm. ever. It's <laughs> not a thing. It's Everything is, like, strategised behind the scenes. Yeah. And every single pop star relationship. Yeah, that's actually so true because when I was – sorry to interrupt. When I was in – um LA I would always sit at this cafe like every single morning mm. never paparazzi around ever it was just a normal cafe I didn't even know it was a mm-hmm. one that celebrities went to and then now whenever I'm on Getty it will be paparazzi outside papping Kendall Jenner Hayley Baldwin yeah and everyone leaving that cafe and I'm like that just didn't happen no they yeah. weren't there yeah exactly but then again one time paparazzi literally jumped out of the street I jumped out of a car and we're running down the street chasing someone and my housemate was like they sit in the cars around here right so in some areas I guess but then you wouldn't walk in those areas yeah exactly I just think it's all very and like every time a pop star is coming out dating someone there's always like such a convenient strategy to it like remember when Selena Gomez in the weekend were like perped kissing behind a dumpster and it was like the exact moment that the weekend was like on the cusp of megastardom and the exact moment that Selena Gomez was trying to rebrand herself as like a little bit cool and interesting and edgy that's like I don't a- believe you as much I don't believe you as much with heaps of these things I don't believe you as much with the with the relationships I do in some cases but not as much with relationships I do with like sources say and right. like and like with Pete Davidson breaking up with Margaret Qualley and obviously it's like sources say they just broke up and obviously his team released that because he was about to be spotted with Kai Gerber. And yeah. then things like Miley and Liam's relationship break up and it's like sources say it was his drinking and it's obviously Miley's team releasing it and everything you read about the Kardashians, they're releasing. Yeah. But then th- with things like some people like Camilla Cabello <laughs> just shows how, much, how little There's I- like 17 celebrities who I think are all like interchangeable with each other. I thought Sean Mendes and her were fake, but now I'm like, why would they bother? They're both so famous. But I didn't know who either of them were until that became a thing that they were dating. <laughs> and then I was like, yeah, and now, they did now just I just need to together. know who these two fucking people are. <laughs> it's annoying. I'm not saying it's like there's never any genuine like emotion to it, but like Jay-Z and Beyonce were like put together as a marketing thing. Like they've said that. Like they were like, we need to make Beyonce cool and we need to make Jay-Z mainstream. So their marketing teams put them together and then they ended up actually falling in love. But it Mm. started as, like, a strategic thing. That would happen all the time. Yeah. People's whole careers are launched off relationships. Yeah. Anyway, conspiracy theorist alert. (laughs) Jordan Woods? She's like, oh, my God. (laughs) There's just no way. There's just, like... Yes, he's a dirtbag. He would kiss anyone. (laughs) I can't believe we're talking about that. I know. I know, yet again. Going back to the boys, I feel like at the moment you have this, like, slew of men, like Timothy and Harry, but also, like, Donald Glover, ASAP Rocky, Jeff Goldblum, who are all just, like, embracing super, like, fashion-forward style. I just feel like it's really cool that this is becoming, like... It's almost becoming like a PRable thing in the way it is for women. Because mm. I always think it's like frustrating that the idea is. And Jonathan Van Ness. Yeah, and Jonathan Van Ness. I find it frustrating that um, there's this idea that fashion and style are like frivolous and silly and that women buy into it and that women should stop buying into it when they want to be taken seriously. When actually the better thing is for men to start embracing it to showcase 
that it's just creative and fun and interesting mm. and cool and then everyone does it so it feels less because it's always so boring like ask her more it was like a great initiative but I was also like well if someone's gonna wear some fucking like Oscar amazing yeah like Gucci gown that's taken 78 days to create and 400 people like yeah ask them about it because it's awesome like it's not our fault the men are all just wearing boring shit. Another thing as well, which I think the more men who do this, the more it veers away from being a thing about sexuality. Like, why does your sexuality have to come into the way you dress? And Harry Styles um, addressed that on the weekend. I've now been doing my Harry Styles research um, to The Guardian. And he was just like, I understand that I'm going to be asked about my sexuality, but like, I just don't know why. Mm. Like, why it matters. And he's like, I'm not sitting on an answer and protecting it and holding it back. It's not a case of I'm not telling you because I don't want to tell you. It's not anything like that. It's just who cares. Yeah, exactly. Like, who cares what my sexuality is? And also, why why do people think that it has anything to do with the way I dress? Yeah, totally. And I just think as well, it's like this exciting, refreshing thing because Harry Styles is like a massive sex symbol right now Mm. that it's sexy to women if you care about fashion and you care about how you look and you embrace, like, a wide spectrum of style. Like, it doesn't make you... And it's sexy to women if you're... I think think what I find sexy about it is the confidence to dress how you want to dress and to show a side of you that men are so, like, often hold back and don't, you know, they wear navy, they wear black, they wear grey. Yeah, and it's something Grace and Perry talked about in that book I recommended last week, which was that... Men are made to uh, believe that the way they dress is, like, the base level of life and that everything else is, like, a different style. Like, they're made to think, like, a suit and shorts and pants and black loafers and whatever is just the way people look and that everything else is in a reaction to that, where he was like, that's a uniform in and of itself. Like, that's an active Mm. decision you're making to look a certain way. But because all people in positions of power have this, like, generic style... We just think that that's what power looks like. Yeah. You know what I mean? It hasn't been challenged. And it's like you think that because you're not making an active thought every day when you're putting on a suit that therefore you're not making an active decision about how you want to be viewed in the world. But everyone is. Yeah. They're just deciding to go with the status quo. I think for some men as well, it would be like a I don't even know where to start thing because it's so out of their – they would feel so out of their depth even yeah. trying to dip their toes in now after years and years and years of wearing the same thing. But even, like, I went to a dinner a couple of weeks ago and it was, like, mm, there wasn't a, a black tie dress code, but it was dressed smart. Mm-hmm. But it was literally guys in either jeans or pants and white shirts. Mm-hmm. Like, 16 guys in white shirts. I was like, are yeah, you guys yeah. not bored? Because I fucking am. I know, but that's what I mean. They're missing out on this whole spectrum mm. of life. And I'm going to get, like, a little bit philosophical for a minute. But the really interesting thing, I think, is that in the last, like, 10 years where women are becoming more kind of powerful, quote, unquote, than ever in terms of taking up more CEO positions, taking up more leadership positions in the world, etc., that there's been, like, a big push towards masculine style dressing like suiting is really in tailoring is really in people like to wear like baggy oversized oversized silhouettes and like loafers and things that are not traditionally kind of quote-unquote feminine like you don't tend to see people in like very pretty 
girly dresses and ruffles and florals and you know what I mean? It's like not so much the trending thing um, as women are moving into like roles that were traditionally considered more masculine. And now very, very recently it seems like there's a very slow but building movement of men moving towards embracing traits that could be seen as more feminine like men are being encouraged to be empathetic to be thoughtful to speak about their feelings to be communicative to be uh whatever emotionally intelligent and now you're seeing this move where men are like embracing women's style Mm. even on the bachelor for the first season Mm. ever they have two men tim and karen who dress how they want yes yes speak about their emotions are really open and in touch and see how Australia reacted. Exactly. It's like, it's what Women love them. Women want this. <laughs> and it's also like uh, Grayson Perry, again, to go back to that book, I'm going to keep talking about it, but he said that there, there haven't been role models for men who represent this kind of masculinity and that's always been the problem because the only role models men have had have been people who are like stoic, stiff upper lip, be a bloke, toughen up, don't cry, be tough in the boardroom, blah, blah, blah. We don't have, like he was like, I can't think of a single celebrity who represents the kind of masculinity that we would want our children to embrace because they just don't exist yet. So it's going to be this kind of period over the next 20 years where there's more and more people like that. Mm. And Harry, to round it off, is a very good example. Has a, do you want to go to his live show in London with me? Come on. Yes. I just feel like it's going to be fucking chaos. I know. I don't even know how we would get tickets, but we'll try. We'll give it a crack. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Okay, time for a top up. Time for a top-up. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. So the article that everyone, literally everyone has been talking about this week, we've also been talking about, uh, Gia Tolentino wrote a fantastic, fantastic piece for The New Yorker called The Age of Instagram Face. Um, Yeah, we had a few people share it in our closed Facebook group and a good discussion around it. I've just seen so many like celebrities and influencers and people posting on Instagram stories. Like I feel like it really Really? has gone. I haven't seen it that much. I, I saw it in our Instagram I mean, sorry, in our Facebook group, and that's where I. I saw quite a few from. people sharing it, but it's like it's amazing. Like I love her anyway, but um, I think she's the author of Trick Mirror, yes, um, which came out recently and went 
off as a book. I haven't read it yet, which I'm dying to do. I've heard so many good things. Yeah, I think the thing that's amazing about her, just before we get into the meat of the story, is that she's... So she used to work at Jezebel, and David... I don't know if David Rimnick sought her out specifically, but he brought her over. But it's because the New Yorker wanted to bolster out their content towards young women specifically. And I feel like the thing that I love about her is that she writes in this amazingly New Yorker-style intellectual way, but she just touches on things which I feel like me and you actually talk about and care about as opposed to a lot of things that the New Yorker covers. So she did like a whole piece on why the music of Hustlers is like representative of this moment in time and like a piece on um, Reformation as a fashion brand, Mm. like in the New Yorker. It's just really cool. Just then when we were topping up, I was like, when I read pieces like this, I just think, oh, I could write that, but not in a way that I could write it as eloquently or beautifully as she could, of course, but like when I think of articles written for the New Yorker or a huge publication like that, I think of something, you know, delving into like Trump's politics or how yeah. World War Two happened, and then I'm like, the, the, <laughs> I'm like the, the thought of the Instagram face is something that we have all thought about as millennials, and then like going to a plastic surgeon and getting someone to like tell you what you should get done in your face, and then writing about it. It's it's such an approachable, easy and digestible thing. Yes, but like, yeah, she she just like executes it so well. It was that funny thing where as soon as you saw the headline, you knew exactly what she was talking about. Yeah. Like the, that exact like, face came into your brain. Been, you know, when you read things, you're like, how has that not been written before? Or how did I not freaking think of that? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so there's so many interesting things that she touches on, which I just think is like amazingly fascinating. Um, so like we said, the whole topic is about how Instagram is promoting this very specific style of face now that has encouraged a mass amount of plastic surgery, filler, Botox, etc., cetera, um, in people trying to mirror it. I lo- really liked how she touched on the racial aspect mm. of what the ideal Instagram face is. So she says, there was something strange, I said, this is her talking to one of the plastic surgeons, about the racial aspect of Instagram face. It was as if the algorithmic tendency to flatten everything into a composite of greatest hits had resulted in a beauty ideal that favoured white women capable of manufacturing a look of rootless exoticism. Absolutely, Smith said. We're talking an overly tan skin tone, a South Asian influence with the brows and eye shape, an African-American influence with the lips, a Caucasian influence with the nose, a cheek structure that is predominantly Native American and Middle Eastern. So it's kind of Mm. this thing where people... Which, like, like, every woman listening to this right now will have the face in their head. Yes. You can just see it straight away. It's like Bella Hadid's eyes. Yes. Bella Hadid's cheeks. (laughs) Kim Kardashian's skin tone. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, the racial aspect is really interesting because I just hadn't thought about that before, but it's basically kind of like taking what is considered, quote, unquote, the best parts of different, like, like cultures' assets mm. and putting them into a single face, which is incredibly fucking creepy when you think about it. Yeah, and one of the surgeons was saying that Kim Kardashian, I think two of them said Kim Kardashian is the most, the person that most people say they want to look like, and she is embodies just Instagram face. Mm. Um, and then the other one said, what was it? He said, I'd say that 30% of people who come in bring a photo of Kim or someone like Kim. There's a handful of people, but she's at the very top of the list. Yeah. It's kind of creepy. The thing I found really creepy was how common it is for people to um, come in with a Snapchat or Instagram filter of their face and ask the surgeon to recreate that. So Mm. it's like this idea that she says that Snapchat, which has increasingly lost relevance, 
has stayed relevant because their filters offer like the, the closest the best, thing yeah. to yeah like plastic surgery face mm. basically that anyone can get and that it's really common for people to come in with an idealized version of their face and give it to a plastic surgeon and like when she went in for her first consultation he basically took a photo of her front on and side on and got the facetune app up on a projector and just showed her a simple way to like correct things on her face it reminded me of a time a beauty editor friend of mine went and did an interview with a plastic surgeon for a story and the way that he approached it was like, okay, I want you to tell me all of the things that you think is wrong with your face and then I'll tell you all the things that I think is wrong with your face and then we can compare notes. Like that was literally yeah. how he went about it. It wasn't like, hey, I would like to come in for a nose job. It was like, okay, hey, let's look at like all of the things that could be fixed. And that's and why things it. like, you know, how like weed is a gateway drug apparently. <laughs> that's why things like Botox are considered a gateway yes. into – fillers and full-on plastic surgery because what happens is you go in and you get Botox once and you think that it's fixed like the area that was your concern and then the next time you go in like they might say to you do you know that you can fix this bit under your eyes I had a woman say do you know you can fix your acne scarring with blah 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 like I was like yeah well I think the thing is now because we're on screen so constantly it's just made us hyper aware of our faces in a way that we never would have been aware of before and I think that the fact that people are so um, obsessive about like quote unquote fixing their faces that it's made everyone else then become hyper aware of what their faces look mm. like. They, there's things reading that article that I didn't think about like the adjacency of your jawline or your chin like the ideal is a 90 degree angle and like how you can fill in underneath your cheekbones to make your cheekbones look higher because high cheekbones like so 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 many people have that it's but like, you can't tell as much as you because you know how you can kind of tell with lip filler you can't really tell as much with cheek filler. It's just, it's like, I'm not saying it's wrong or anything like that. No, but I'm no, saying no, there's yeah. like. It so is kind of wrong though. It. Like, it's got, like, yeah. I think the thing that's fucked is like so many things is that it's not wrong on an individual level in that I feel like you, you can do don't what wanna you want with your face. Do what you want with your face. And also, like, uh, what she says, which we've talked about before, is so true, is like the only place in the world where women are drastically overpaid more than men is in the world of beauty. So modelling and modelling adjacent kind of things, mm. influencing, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she was like, if you can say that me correcting these parts of my face to make me more attractive online is the equivalent to like someone working at a bank cutting costs to make their business more efficient and that will make more revenue, why shouldn't a woman be able to do that if that's the society that we live in? But the other side of that is that by buying into that system, you're perpetuating this society. You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe there's nothing wrong with an individual going and getting Botox in her frown lines. She's not doing something immoral, but you're contributing to a system in which everyone feels like shit about how they look all the time like and it's crazy because we're meant to be more progressive and more feminist than we ever have been and yet the way we are about how women look is far 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 more psycho than it ever has been I know but then there's the other side of the story where it's like we get braces to fix our teeth yeah so yeah or we, we dye get... our hair so we don't have yeah. gray hair or we, we put makeup, makeup on. yeah and that's what she said she was like you put makeup on to look the way that this surgery is making you look. You look makeup on to give the illusion of higher cheekbones or of perfect, hmm. cl- perfectly clear skin or of less wrinkles. Or you know of, how to contour that is. If you know, yeah, <laughs> which we don't. But I just, yeah, it's like it's a real conundrum 
But it, it frustrates me because th- she talked about that account. What's that account called? Celeb Face. Celeb Face, which I'd never heard of. No, uh, I think I'd heard of it ages ago. But yeah. It's a million followers. And it shows, um, I mean, heaps of people already know about it. It shows photos of celebrities which were taken on Giddy and then the celebrities that and then the photos that the celebrities actually post and how they've altered them. And in so, so, so many of them, they've just sucked themselves in, they've altered their skin, they've changed all these different things that you wouldn't even notice. Like, for example, supermodel, Victoria's Secret Angel, Elsa Hosk, mm. who is A-size, probably four Australian, like <laughs> yeah. double zero, triple yeah. zero, I don't even know. Tiny, the tiniest person did a face tune to her body on the red carpet. Yeah, and I think that's really, really troubling. And this isn't about, like, calling out Elsa Hosk and blaming any of the things on her, but the fact that someone who literally... Has the perfect body. But like who, like, the, the quote, quote, unquote, quote yeah. but who, like, could not embody society's beauty ideals more. Like, mm. if you're doing a pie chart of all of them... Pie chart doesn't really work, but if you're pie doing... <laughs> Who has done a pie chart in the last what, 100 years? I don't years? even know what a pie chart would be for with this. But if you were doing, like, a diagram of what society deems, like, the perfect-looking person, she is the right age, she's the right weight, she's the right height, mm. she is blonde, white, blue-eyed, high-cheekboned, like, long legs for days. Hips. Every Everything. And that is still someone who feels insecure enough to alter something to make herself look even thinner. Mm online that is so 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 troubling yeah but it's also frustrating because she's perpetuating the problem but she's also victim to the system mm-hmm. but she has such a huge following that it's like do better but yeah. then on the other side it's like but even I- you are like not confident confident yeah and in this article um Gia points out that like most of the time the editing isn't even necessary. Like when you see, when you look at these celeb face, uh, so the videos that kind of merge back and forth between what it looked like before and what it looked like after, it's just stuff you wouldn't even notice, like Mm -hmm. unnoticeable. It doesn't even, like half the time it's just like they're moving their elbow a little bit to make their arm look like the tiniest bit Mm. thinner that you wouldn't even notice. And she was like, it seems like, Sometimes you just do it out of habit. Like, no one would even notice the difference if you didn't. Yeah, she had a great quote about that, actually. Yeah, she says in the piece, You get the feeling that these women or their assistants alter photos out of a simple defensive reflex as if face-tuning your jawline with the Instagram equivalent of checking your eye on it in the bathroom of the bar. Yes, that's it feels like... Yeah. And I, what I really liked on as well is she touched on this idea that this all speaks to this social obsession we have now with self-betterment. Like, we feel like we need to be in a constant state of bettering ourselves. Like, there's a kind of cultural obsession mm-hmm. with it. We feel like we need to be getting fitter. We need to be working harder. We need to be starting our own business. We need to have more followers. We need to have a better relationship. We need to see a psychologist. Better so clothes. we get, you know, like, better clothes, better. Like, we're obsessed with being better constantly. And there's this idea that if you're not improving your face to make it the ultimate pinnacle of your face's potential that you're being lazy or complacent or not trying hard enough and instagram announced like in october that it would be removing all of the effects associated with plastic surgery from its filter from the filter section of instagram stories but it actually means that they're just um removing all effects that are called like plastica and fix me and but the, but the, oh. the same thing will still apply just under different names it's like God, do they really can't call it that plastica um, the one thing I think that's worth touching on as well with like Botox and um, general facial plastic surgery is that 
it is different to dyeing your hair and things like that in that I know Dana Berkowitz is a researcher who's written some really fascinating things about the emotional impacts of Botox. Um, and she said, I think we might have touched on it before, but she's said that um, there's a concern about like what you're basically doing when you get Botox or face filler is numbing nerves that showcase emotion. So she said that there's a genuine concern that you're going to have a generation of uh, mothers who have young babies who get their first understandings of emotion and emotional communication through reading their mother's face. So when she frowns, when she smiles, when she's happy, when she's whatever. And it's called like the bridging stare or something. There's like a scientific mm-hmm. name to it about this essential period where like babies learn emotional communication from reading their mother's face. And now we're freezing our faces so we can't communicate yeah it's it's crazy I never thought of it that way but and then I guess on a larger philosophical level there's this idea of like why are we obsessed with hiding the way women Uh, feel but even the other day I said to you it's so funny how it's the complete opposite with men like the hottest thing about Harry Styles on Guardian Weekend was his frown line yeah. Like, I'm like, that... Well, we like, like, a weather-beaten man. Like, we like, like, Keanu Reeves <laughs> like, and Brad Pitt yeah. with their, like, face wrinkles yeah. and their, like, smile lines who look... You know, that's what I mean. It's, like, this system is basically telling women that signs that they have, like, lived a life and experienced things. Smiled and a lot. Smiled a lot and frowned a lot and whatever. The things that you read on your face, it's, like, telling them that that isn't attractive, which is a big problem. Mm-hmm. It's just our obsession with young yeah, it's yeah, it just goes Age. back to obsession with youth. Hey? Youth. <laughs> I was like young. I was like, what is the other word? It's so worrying because like even at the end, um, Gia says that after a whole day of doing that, she just went home and felt fucking terrible about herself. Mm, she was like, I thought I was around. immune to it because I thought I was just researching it as a journalist. Oh, absolutely not. You can't get anyone to come and like if someone walked into the room right now and told us everything wrong with our face. <laughs> And we're, ju- and we're journalists. We would be like straight to the plastic surgeon. Yeah, exactly. It's really worrying. I guess the best thing, it's kind of like that intuitive eating thing where it was like, don't aim for positivity, just aim for neutrality. Because mm. no one's, like, no one, it's, it would be weird to be like, I love my body, I love my face every day. Like, that's weird. So you've just got to try and get back to neutral. You're like, I just don't care that much. So, yeah, basically everything is scary and fucked. And Harry Styles is hot. And Harry Styles is hot. That's basically like the episode in a nutshell. <laughs> I know. Women are fucked. Harry Styles is hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wrote new ep Harry Styles. That's just yeah. what it's going to be called. I actually think we might just call it that. <laughs> uh, but, again, as always, thank you so much for listening. Thank you all for posting last week. It made us so happy to see so many people sharing about us. I'm happy that we were back. Yes. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Afterwork Drinks Podcast. Follow me and Izzy individually as well at Grace O'Neill without the A, so Grace O'Neill <laughs> at Isabel Truman. Uh, rate, review and subscribe. Close Facebook group. Add our closed Facebook group. It's quite a to-do list we've given you, but you could <laughs> knock it out in like 40 seconds if, yeah. you, if you tried hard enough. Uh, we love you and we'll see you next week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. I'm so hungry. Can we get burritos again? Yeah. 
Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.